They're better together. GetOps and continuous delivery. Join the CNCF on May 8th and 9th in Vancouver for CDCon and GetOpsCon. The event will foster collaboration, discussion, and knowledge sharing by bringing communities to start shaping the future of GetOps and CD. We're excited to offer a special discount code for CloudCast listeners. Simply use the code PODCAST10 for 10% off when you register. Act fast. That's PODCAST10 for 10% off GetOpsCon and CDCon. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. March is well underway. The pollen is well underway. My my uh, my horse voice is well underway. But welcome back to another study perspective. Good to be with you all. Hope everybody's doing well, starting to get into spring. I know at least around here in North Carolina, things are starting to bloom quite a bit. Uh, It's been warm. Uh, The trees are blooming. The pollen is blooming. All sorts of things are are blooming. I want to kind of dive into something that, uh, you know, if I I go back, uh, I didn't think we'd ever be talking about this, but we are... We are now three years uh, into the pandemic. It is roughly March 6th, 7th, 8th, whenever you're listening to the show. Um, and that was right about the time that uh, most countries, at least, um, you know, the United States was probably one of the later ones because it started uh, started in Asia, spread through Europe and, and got to the United States. The United States being, you know, the largest economy, things start getting affected. But, uh, you know, for at least for, for Aaron and I, this was right around the time when Literally, the the world shut down. Uh, you know, the world had been you know going through this stuff, but the world you know literally shut down. Uh, I recall having been at uh, a Red Hat Leadership Summit. Um, we were in Boston. We were all together, and we flew home. And literally the next day, they were like, "Nope, shut it down." Right? We were starting to see restaurants in which people were. Uh, you know, contracting the virus and, and never, nobody knew exactly how you got it. They weren't sure if it was how you touched something or, you know, if, you know what it was, proximity to people. Uh, I know Aaron was at an event with his family and uh, they literally had to drive home because the planes were shut down. And, you know, it just sort of dawned on me, it's been, it's been three years. And, uh, you know, so I thought it'd be interesting to sort of dive into what have we learned uh, from these three years of the pandemic? Uh, you know, not, not so much uh, you know, in a virality, virology perspective, although some of the things that have happened have been uh, pretty amazing. Um, we're not going to talk about the politics of it because people have lots of different opinions. And we don't really dive into the politics of it on this show, but kind of want to dive into it from, a, you know, what we as an industry, our perspective on things have been, um, you know, what did we think early on? How long did we think this was going to last? Uh, I, I do recall, you know, early on, uh, and I put a link to the show notes for a couple of the shows, <laughs> Around that time, uh, sort of going well, you know, the, the the word on the street is this is going to be a couple of months, um, you know, and then it was oh this is ugh, this has been going on for three or four months. What's going on? And then we started talking about new normals in which you know we all work from home and uh, a whole bunch of things, you know, like we will will never use on premise stuff anymore. Everything's going to move to the cloud, and so I think we got a number of things right, a number of things wrong. Um, you know, how much this would impact cloud adoption, how long it would last. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, most people were, were moving to remote work. All people were moving to remote work. Um, but, you know, how efficient that would become, how long that would last. Um, and then, you know, kind of a little bit, we'll talk about a little bit about events because events obviously were shut down. We've seen events come back to a certain extent. Uh, but now we're starting to see some, you know, some impact on events uh, that will have less to do with, uh, with the pandemic and more to do with just the general economy. So I thought I would sort of dive into that as kind of a retrospective uh, for sort of three years anniversary of of the pandemic uh you know shutting down essentially the world for um 
you know, a, a good period of time and then really changing a lot of things, both technology wise, how we work, how we organize, how we collaborate. And we'll dive into that after the break. Are you getting pressure from finance to justify or reduce your cloud bill? Cloud Zero is the only cloud cost platform loved by engineers and trusted by finance. Cloud Zero can identify unused, idle, or over-provisioned resources, alert you to spend anomalies, and organize 100% of your spend into a framework that mirrors your business structure, like cost per customer, product feature, or team. It's the most powerful platform ever built to provide accurate, granular visibility into your total cloud spend without the typical pitfalls of legacy cloud cost management tools, like endless tagging or clunky Kubernetes support. Manage cost, optimize development, and maximize profit all in one platform. Join companies like Rapid7, Drift, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast. Visit today to experience immediate and ongoing savings on your cloud bill. And we're back. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to dive a little bit into sort of like, you know, good predictions, bad predictions, things that we that were missed opportunities from uh, from the pandemic. Uh, and then we'll dive into sort of good habits, bad habits and, and lesson learned, you know, all, all the things that we've kind of, you know, summarization of the last three years or so. And I think if we go back a little bit, you know, when this first happened, it was it was pretty amazing. I think that right at the early stage of this, because I do recall for for his as information centric of a world as we are that we live in and the way that, um, you know, so much information spreads so fast, whether it's uh, a tragedy or a sports score or some sort of weather event or something in politics or just, you know, something stupid, you know, a celebrity says something or, you know, some trend is like, it feels like every, everybody sort of a, is aware of stuff. And the pandemic felt different. Um, and I don't mean different in the sense of, I, I think, you know, we, we were hearing some reports, and again, I'm, I'm coming to this entirely from the United States perspective because that's the only perspective I have on this because that's where I was at the time. You know, we were seeing, we were seeing, you know, just a few reports out of out of China, out of the Wuhan region, about this virus. And in all reality, like we've seen multiple viruses in uh, in APAC in China, in you know, in various regions of things that were you know driven by you know it was a bird flu or it was a whatever. And I think early on we sort of thought, okay, well, this is this is another one of those. It's going to be sort of contained, um, you know that that region. You know, if you if you've ever been to to Asia, if you've traveled through there, um, wearing masks is a pretty common thing that you'll see. And you know, we were sort of seeing it. We didn't, didn't really think too much of it, right? We didn't think, uh oh, you know, four, five, seven, ten thousand miles away is a global pandemic. And then you know, it, we we started seeing some stuff. And but but again, you know, that stuff was starting in January of, of 2020, not March. Um, you know, and again, it's only a couple of months, but still that's a long, long time in our information age. And then as it started to spread and we started to see some things happen in Europe, but it was weird in the United States because it was like seeing the future or seeing like a tidal wave coming, but it was hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And you were just like, well, that's, that's, you know, it's far away. It's not coming to us. Uh, and then obviously once, you know, once it hit, United States shores it had uh, you know begun to to ravish um you know Europe and, and at least a number of a number of areas of Europe uh you know Asia Pacific especially China it was in you know massive lockdowns and all sorts of things were happening and then we all started to kind of wrap our head around this especially those of us that you know don't just work in one region but work in multiple regions I had a very good friend at the time who you know he uh, worked for a company who had you know huge presence in China and they were trying to figure out like what 
what are the people at our company going to do? Like, how are they going to come into work? How are they going to eat? How are they, how do we avoid socialization? But still, you know, we were still very much in the, in the world of, well, this is like the flu or, you know, like any other sort of seasonal, uh, you know, just thing that happens, um, you know, the flu being the most common thing, you know, to be able to talk about flu season or cough and cold season or whatever. And, you know, at first we were all thinking like, well, okay, well, how are we going to kind of work around this, right? Like, you know, do we have to sort of stay farther away? How are we going to do that? Because people tend to be densely packed when they go in the office. And again, this is going back three years. This is people were going to the office. It was a regular thing. Yes, there were remote workers, but not what we have today. So all that stuff sort of happened. And, you know, then we went through the initial shock of like literally it was going to be a two week, just shut the world down. If we shut the world down for two weeks, um, you know, and we, we sort of stop the spread, we're not as in close proximity to people and all those sort of things, this will go away. And, you know, while that was sort of an interesting concept, I mean, there wasn't a vaccine at the time of any sort um, in any country. Uh, but, you know, the the initial thought was, OK, this is caused through touch, so wash your hands. Uh, this might be caused through like coughing or something. So uh, you know, stay away from people. Don't hug. Uh, you know, maybe consider wearing a mask. But even early on, at least in Europe and, and in the United States, like wearing a mask wasn't a thing. It wasn't even something we thought about because it wasn't something we had lived through um, in in any of the any of those cultures. Um, but it was just sort of stay away from people. And hopefully if we do this for a couple of weeks, we don't go into the office, we don't go into restaurants, we don't gather together at gyms or other places, you know, we'll we'll slow the curve, right? And we weren't seeing the numbers at the time that, that we saw. And I'll, I mean, I'll put in the show notes, my, my I made a spreadsheet of this just because at some point I was incredibly curious as to, you know, what the toll was and how fast was it growing? Was it getting any better? And so, you know, we, we all went through this sort of uh, zombie stage for the first couple of weeks of like, well, what does this mean? And you went stir crazy and you couldn't, I mean, you like, you couldn't hug your kids and you couldn't, you know, people were sleeping in different bedrooms and, and all sorts of things, um, you know, were going on, let alone all the tragedies that were happening in hospitals and overcrowding and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that early on, you were just, you didn't know what to think because you couldn't wrap your head around something like this. Like this is, this was this sort of plague, modern day plague that was now, you know, killing people all around the world. And then at some point, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of came to this realization of like, well, this can't be life. This can't be what, what's going to happen. We're going to have to figure out how to get back to work and how to function and how to do things. And so from a technology perspective, you know, you started doing things that were the most uh, convenient for you, right? It was the rise of Zoom. It was the rise of you know, a bunch of uh, really simple to use services that were SaaS services, Zoom being the poster child for them, you know, school was being done via Zoom, and you were talking to your grandparents and your friends via Zoom. I remember people having, you know, uh, Friday night, hey, let's all get together and just have a beer over Zoom, which, you know, sounds crazy. But that's what we were doing, because we were so starved to be talking to people. And even though now we're all completely fatigued by Zoom, like that was like, oh, cool, I can talk to my neighbors, because I can't go outside. I'm not supposed to be out and about. I'm not supposed to be doing any of these things. So we began to see, you know, just major shifts into the cloud, right? It was, you know, my other neighbor uh, runs a, you know, runs an IT organization. And, uh, you know, he was like, hey, we had to figure out how to get remote work for people. And so we were putting VPN systems and, and other types of things into the cloud that we had never done before. We were a big data shop. And so, you know, you're hearing all sorts of stories. You're hearing all sorts of stories about, you know, Hey, we have to get back to work. Technology is going to help us. Te technology was going to become the savior of, 
you know, the pandemic. It was going to help us in all these ways, at least from a work perspective, from an economy perspective, right? We started seeing food delivery services and all sorts of, you know, things in which technology could become the center of that universe. And so, you know, at some point we started to get more knowledge about the pandemic. We started to get some sense of like how long this might really last. And the fact that we didn't have, you know, a a cure to this anytime soon and the timelines of the cure were going to be a long time. So, you know, uh, the good news was ingenuity and creativity started to kick in and people started figuring out like, how do I get back to some semblance of life, um, some semblance of work, some semblance of of learning and, and all sorts of things that were kind of our day-to-day life? Like, how do we eat? How do we educate our kids? How do we do business? How do we, you know, whatever it might be. And granted, um, you know, we didn't figure it out completely. There was all sorts of, of uh, you know, government involvement, both in terms of, you know, setting rules, you know, uh, you know helping to provide money in the economy and all that sort of stuff, which is well-documented. But you know, we we went from the pre-2020 normal to this, you know, kind of zombie state for a few months. And then we started to figure out, well, what will our new normal looks like? Because people started f- forecasting not this is going to last for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, but like this could last for years. And so, you know, there became this thought process of, well, as much as we don't like it, this is going to become the new normal. And you not only had people moving uh, because they thought, well, you know, we're forever going to work from home and I don't want to live in an expensive place in Silicon Valley or I don't want to live where, you know, uh, maybe I don't want to live in a city. I want to get out to where I'm farther away from people because I'm going to, if I'm going to be, you know, if this is going to last for a long time, I want to be in a place where I don't feel so confined. And so, you know, mobile work or remote work just took over. It became, became the norm. It didn't become the thing that was like, well, 10 of us are here in a conference room there's a few of you that are remote. It was, everybody was remote. And so, you know, not only were we using a ton of cloud services to make everyday things, you know, work, uh, business work and education and stuff, but remote work became the norm. And and so that was a big change for a lot of people, people who hadn't been used to those sort of things. For those of us that, that live in non um, primary cities for technology, <clears throat> you know, that was, we were very used to that. But, you know, we went through all sorts of weird things. We went through, should I leave the camera on? Do I, can I turn the camera off? I don't necessarily want to be all dressed up and get my hair fixed and put on presentable looking clothes. I just want to wear my pajamas because, man, I am exhausted from doing this. You know, is that okay? You know, what we we had to figure out all sorts of new norms of how we were going to work with each other. And, um, you know, we went from Zoom was the savior and it was this sort of, you know, life raft, if you will, to, it was the burden. It was, you know, it was the, the anchor around everybody's uh, feet dragging us down into the water and stuff. So, you know, we went, we went through a lot in that first year or so. And if we look back on it, you know, a couple of years in what, what happened was as we were trying to figure out that new norm, we started thinking uh, as we tend to do in technology that, oh, well, once something new comes along, it will take over everything. It will become the way that everything gets done. It's the, you know, it's the way we talk about, oh, well, <clears throat> Kubernetes will take over everything and serverless will take over everything and public cloud will take over everything and chat GPT and AI and whatever, you know, we have this, this tendency in, in technology to talk about, well, once the new thing kind of gets started and a few of us understand it, like it'll just take over because we could, in theory, imagine that it would take over everything. So, you know, we had this perception and and too many companies assume this that what was going on in the late 2020s and and throughout 2022 even was going to become the norm forever even though the realities of that were 
you know, we've got a completely different way the workforce works. Um, the costs of these systems aren't cheaper than the other ones. In fact, in many cases, they're higher. And we're seeing that more and more, you know, a lot of rationalization of cloud costs. But, you know, we just sort of made these assumptions. And we, uh, you know, and because of that, you know, because there was talk of like, this will become the new Norman business. I think a lot of the cloud providers, SaaS providers, you know, so on and so forth, made investments as if that was going to be the case. Now, what was very interesting, and it's probably the the crux of us looking back on this, is we made these assumptions and people made investments as if that was going to be the case. This was going to become the new normal. But what they didn't seem to do, and we're seeing the ramifications of that now that the economy is a little softer and so forth, is they made these investments in people instead of making sort of long-term investments in if you were AWS or you were GCP or you were some SaaS company, like what does the future look like in five years, right? And we, the, the company sort of made these investments, not long-term sort of capital investments, long-term like change the paradigm investments, but they made these what felt like very heavy people-intensive ways of, of doing short-term land grabs. We are going to try and find a way to get all the people um, to come to our cloud right now, but the exact same offerings, the same type of way of doing it. Uh, you know, you had companies who forever talked about like Amazon forever talked about, well, the one thing we will always do is we'll always reduce prices because that's the one thing everybody, well, they didn't do any of that, right? They didn't do any of that. They didn't necessarily make uh, bigger and bigger investments in CapEx. If you look at their CapEx spend and all the work that like Charles Fitzgerald does in, in tracking these things. They all made <clears throat> near-term land grab things when the perspective was this is the new normal. And the crazy thing was, you know, we were spending more and more, not only our own dollars, but, you know, government-infused dollars on technology, whether it was laptops or, uh, you know, cloud services or iPhones or whatever it was. Um, and yet most of them, uh, didn't make long-term investments. They made short-term investments, what felt like mostly in people. Um, and now we're sort of seeing the ramifications of that is that, you know, three years into this, most of the cloud providers, I think if we went back to 2020 versus now in 2023, look more or less the same. Yes, there's been some some changes here and there. And, you know, we can talk about, you know, Microsoft investing in open AI and stuff like that. But like in terms of what they did, it didn't change all that much. Yes, there's, you know, again, a few things here and there, but they, they were sitting on so much cash and they were making so much cash and they were getting, you know, government money for a bunch of things. Um, you know, I think people are going to look back at that and go, boy, the, those, those companies had the opportunity to really make material changes and they knew, or at least they thought this was going to be a long-term thing. And they made very short-term investments in things that were the most expensive things they could invest in. They invested in people. And now we're seeing the ramifications of that in that, you know, we're seeing a number of layoffs. Um, I don't know that they've really gotten even back to anywhere near the number of people they had pre-pandemic, but, you know, a number of people have been laid off. Um, you know, we haven't seen, you know, we've seen some growth in the cloud, but we're seeing, you know, a huge set of talk now about, hey, the cloud's too expensive and we need to, you know, cut back on those costs. Maybe we don't, maybe we're not sure if that next set of migrations is going to go into the cloud. You know, so a lot of those things sort of happen. Um, yeah. And so, I, you know, I think that's going to be one of the big things. Um, same thing with the SaaS services. So SaaS services, we're seeing more and more of them, you know, lay off 
uh, various people. You know, we're, we haven't seen, uh, you know, any of them really break away from where they were, right? So a lot of sort of short-term thinking. And again, you know, our industry loves to talk about setting the future, but we, you know, we also sort of incentivize people in the very short term. So, you know, short-term stock price, short-term incentives and so forth. So nothing really changed in, in that sense. I think the second thing that, you know, really is is an interesting thing is we went from, and again, you know, you put this in perspective, 2020, 2019, you know, remote work was by no means the dominant way of doing things. In fact, you know, we were seeing more and more companies who were like, hey, we want you in the office. We're going to build better office perks and we're going to build out, you know, bigger kind of meglo offices, right? The Apple office, the Salesforce office, uh, you know, Google wanted you to be in the office for the most part. You know, Amazon wanted you to be around the office and so forth. So we went from that to everybody's remote. And, you know, people started figuring out, oh, okay, the workers have the power. Um, You know, we saw a bunch of salaries go up. We saw a lot of entitlement happen. Oh, well, you know, I have five or six offers, so therefore I should be, you know, a director, even though I've only been working in this job for a year, a year and a half. Um, So we saw some weird behaviors. And again, weird behaviors happen anytime we have manias and, and chaos in the system. But we never figured out a better way to be efficient remote, right? We just sort of went and adopted the culture that we have uh, in offices, which is like lots and lots of meetings, um, lots of status updates. And we haven't really figured out a way to, to do that any better. And now we're in a situation in which a lot of people are remote. A lot of businesses feel a loss of control over what's going on, a lot of inefficiency, if you will. And I think we're going to create a very new tension in between a lot of sort of management layers who are like, look, we're trying to run this business. The economy is now in a tougher time. We have to be efficient in our business. And, you know, because of the last couple of years, you know, the ability to let people work wherever they want and hence sort of have control over what they do at an individual level is somehow fighting against now the ability of of teams to form, teams to collaborate, teams to be efficient, um, the ability to sort of you know, work around known time zones or work around known collaboration mechanisms. We now have, you know, it's, uh, you know, pick, pick your favorite conferencing tool, pick your favorite tracking tool, pick your favorite. Well, that person really likes Asana, but the other thing that's happened over the last three or four years. And again, I think this is going to have some longer term ramifications is we're seeing more and more people who are like, look, dude, uh, the plan is in Asana. And you're like, well, that's fine. Can you explain that to people? Are you actively reaching out to make sure that they are engaged? Well, they should just get the notifications from Asana. And, you know, I, I think a few years of, of having worked this way in which everything is remote, everything is not face-to-face, you don't necessarily have a rapport with your workers, uh, with your coworkers, with your colleagues, with whatever, Um and we just sort of go, well, it's in the tool. The status is in the tool. You should get a notification in the tool. Um, yeah, that's. it's going to take us a while to unwind what that means, what what that's going to be. And, and obviously, we're starting to see some things in which companies want people to come back. Um, you know, we're now sort of, uh, you know, we, we heard about quiet quitting and the great resignation. We're now sort of seeing uh, the threat of having people come back to the office being uh, a mechanism to go, well, if they don't want to come back to the office, that'll give us a reason to lay people off. Um, so, you know, we, we have a lot of tension now sort of between workers who, you know, claimed a lot of freedom, were asking for a lot of freedom in, you know, in return for, hey, we're going to actually probably make you work a lot extra hours because you're not doing commuting and so forth. 
But the tension is going to be like, how do we get back to some sort of balance here? Because, uh, you know, we've seen layoffs, we've seen management have a little more control over, you know, kind of in the power balance. But the dynamics of how work gets done, I think really kind of got broken more than it got improved. And I think, you know, if we really look back on this, the two things from a technology perspective, from an industry perspective that we're going to look back on are, are probably going to be, you know, cloud became the de facto, but it didn't change the paradigm of how things are happening. And so people are kind of reevaluating, okay, does it need to have as much power as we thought it did, right? You know, will we push everything into the cloud? It feels like maybe that's being questioned. The second thing is, um, you know, the, the dynamic of how people work, how teams work, how they collaborate, where they work, you know, what's the power dynamic between management and, and workers. And, and that's kind of under, under fire right now. And then I think the third thing that we're going to see is, is, as a result of that second thing is, you know, this new sort of push of usable AI, whether it's the chat GPT style stuff or other types of stuff is going to, you know, play a bigger role in that, that sort of dichotomy between, you know, management and, and, and workers and, and, you know, how much can I start to offload things if finding people that can collaborate, can't collaborate, do want to work together, willing to work in lo certain locations, how they're willing to work, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, some of these automated tools, some of these AI types of tools will, you know, accelerate some of the push in one direction or another. So, um, you know, again, it's interesting to look back at, at what, again, even in a short period of time, two or three years, how much things have changed. Um, or how much they haven't changed. Um, you know, so I think it's, it's worthwhile to do these retrospectives once in a while. Would love to hear people's feedback on, you know, how your world has changed over the last two or three years. Um, you know, obviously, uh, first and foremost, hope everybody's been healthy. I know a lot of you have been affected by that. Um, you know, that's always going to be first and foremost. But, you know, from a technology perspective, curious if we are missing anything really big uh, in this retrospective, because I think, it's helpful for us to sometimes look back and figure out how we got to where we are because um, sometimes it, it helps inform us as to where things are going, right? We see things repeat itself. Sometimes we see things that are completely new because it's a, a shock to the system. So yeah, if you're if you're listening to this and you go, oh, no, no, you missed a couple of things, please let us know. Uh, show at thecloudcast.net. Hit us up on Twitter at thecloudcast.net uh, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's sort of popped up on my calendar. Um three-year anniversary. I think it's good sometimes to do a retrospective on things. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Hope everybody's having a good Sunday. Uh, hope everybody's having a good March, kicking off March. Uh, thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the show. Help, thanks for helping us, um, uh, you know, meet new people and, and, and meet new topics and ideas. Again, uh, we're always looking for ideas uh, for the show, but also what you want to hear. So not only just people reaching out and saying, hey, can we be on the show? But hey, what, what do you guys want to hear just topic wise? Or who do you want to see us have on the show? Let us know. So with that, I'll wrap it up. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.